there is a very fine line between having good product, like a good variety of products and overwhelming, you know, the majority of the population. So it's like walking that line of like showing them something they might not have had before, but also like, hey, your grandma's going to love this. The coffee is black and our oval is blue. Welcome to the Customer Experience Podcast, brewed fresh for you. I'm Phil. And I'm Matt. This is Black and Blue. So Matt, you have poured us a delightfully steaming cup here. What are we drinking? Yeah, we are drinking some coffee uh, from a place known for its national flag containing yellow, red, and blue. Any guesses? Not a single one. Also known for its lush mountains. Not getting any closer, no. How about deep green emeralds? All right, my friend, we are diving right into the South American region of Huila, Colombia. These are pink bourbon coffee beans grown at an elevation of 1,900 meters, or for our American listeners, that's 6,200 feet. And carefully roasted by Phil and Sebastian Coffee Roasters out of Calgary, Alberta, this roast falls under their exotic and fruity category and features notes of melon, papaya, and honey. Well, cheers, buddy. Let's cheers. try it. What do you think? It's lovely. I, I can't say I'm tasting those notes, but I'm tasting good coffee. That'll do for now. We'll get there. So, Phil, for those who have stumbled into this podcast without any context at all, why are we all here together? Well, we're here to enjoy a cup of coffee together and try to help make customer experience within Ford workplace technology approachable, exciting, and help make you rethink what you offer to your customer. So black coffee, blue oval, that's what the name's all about? You got it. Plus, we're the hardest-hitting CX podcast at Ford. So, Matt, tell us who this team is and what this podcast is really about. So we are part of the Workplace Technology Customer Experience Team, or Workplace Tech CX, which focuses on the experience that enterprise technology provides Ford employees who are our customers. We launched in 2022, and our mission is to pioneer integrated tech experiences that are deeply empathetic and customer-obsessed. Our overall vision is for an employee's tech experience to make them feel, wow, I matter to Ford. That's right. And within Workplace Tech CX, I am on the design team, exploring and creating new end-to-end tech experiences for our customers. And I'm part of the strategy and integration team, which balances the vision of our tech CX strategy and integrating customer experience improvements across service lines within enterprise technology. Phil, in this limited series, we're going to explore elements of our Workplace Tech CX strategy and invite others from outside of Ford to weigh in on these themes within their own world. We'll begin with one of the cornerstones for which we design our experiences against, customer value. There are many, many elements that are important to our customers, but we believe that there are four fundamental values that customers really hold to. Easy, personalized, intuitive, and contextual, which, as you probably noticed, happens to form an acronym because Ford needs more of those. These are our epic values. Epic. These customer values are really what drive how we redesign tech experiences and add meaning into the workplace tech products and services that we provide Ford employees, our customers. The theme of today's episode is our first customer value, easy. So this one time, I decided to install a smart lock on my front door. Uh, It had a digital keypad, a fingerprint reader, all the doodads, right? Um, so to get started, I blindly 
uh, without direction, ripped out the old mechanism, the handle and the deadbolt, tossed it aside, and it was wintertime, and I had these holes in my door, and it was wide open. And I don't know if you know how front doors work, but they keep weather and creatures and people out. Usually. So, right. So I knew uh, I had to get this thing installed. I was feeling the pressure, right? So I had the box of the new device. I opened it up, and I was fully anticipating just fiddling my way through it and trying to figure it out without any direction. But sitting right on top uh, of the inside of the box was this card with a QR code, and it said, scan for installation video. Great. I scan it, and it pulls up a YouTube video, and it's uh, a person from the company with a real door, and he's walking through uh, the end-to-end process from uninstalling your old mechanism to installing the new one to setting up uh, your your phone to pair with it to setting up your your fingerprint um, really end to end and and it was cool having a video because with a project like that you need both hands right so I was able to set the phone down um, and and follow along and it really felt like they thought about how to make this experience as easy as possible for me the customer and I got this thing installed in 20 minutes so that's an experience that really stuck out to me. Uh, and it was very easy. Phil, before we go any further, do you think it's time? I think it is. Listener, within our integration team is a dynamic duo who keeps us and our neighboring tech service teams afloat in the most complicated world of experiences that we live in. We will feature one of these rock stars in each episode of this series, and it is with our great pleasure that we introduce all of you today to Mandy. Woo! Welcome aboard, Mandy. Wow, thanks. I feel really special. You should. By the way, how's that coffee? You know, I'm not as uh, strict as you guys are as the uh, the black coffee only type of thing. Well, um, you know what Henry Ford said, don't you? What did he say? You can have any kind of coffee you want as long as it's black. Um, so I don't agree with that. Um, sorry, Henry Ford. I prefer a little bit of half and half in my coffee, but I will tell you did that. Did you add something to this? I did not. I think this coffee is good without the half and half. So, well, that's good because the name of this podcast would be a lot rougher if it included half and half. <laughs> All right, with coffee preferences aside, in today's episode, we're going to zone in on the easy part of Epic. But any ideas of what makes an experience easy, guys? Just tell us. Hit us. All right, I'm going to hit you with my best shot. In basic terms, the customer is able to get their expected outcome by completing actions themselves. So let's think about an example that's really easy to understand. Get it? It's easy. There's no laugh track on this podcast. (laughs) Oh man, this is rough guys. So think of a time when you had to grocery shop. After you've finished shopping, your next goal is to scan and bag and then eventually pay for your items. So let's say, Matt, you are grocery shopping. You just had to pick up four things for your kid at school the next day. Probably should have been 10, only found four. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I swear they move things around the store on purpose. On purpose, just for you. They move it, yep. Specifically when I go. Right, so you've got your four items, and you see that the self-checkout is completely empty, right? There's like six stalls. Free, free reign, right? You can go check out yourself right Absolutely. now with your four items. Or 
you don't feel comfortable, right? So you might wait for the cashier, which has two people in line. Which one do you choose in that scenario? No. Easiest way out of there as possible. I'm going self-checkout. I like the beep. It's a fun time. That's great. That was an easy, that's the easiest way for you to get from A to B, right? Checking out your groceries and getting home. So Phil, let's say that you're hosting your giant uh, New Year's Eve party, which I was invited to last year, but could not attend. Party of the year. I wasn't actually. This is the first time I've heard of this party, Phil. Uh, Your invitation got lost in the mail, I think. Wow. Well, I look forward to the next year. Oh yeah. It'll get lost again. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great. So, Phil, you're shopping for your big party. You've got a cart full of items. You know that some of your items are going to need approval from, from the cashier. Um, you have the same scenario as I gave Matt, right? You see completely empty self-checkout stalls, right? Or you see the cashier with two people in line. Which one do you think you're going to go for? Yeah, with that many items, you know, I'm, I'm going for the cashier. Uh, there wouldn't be enough space at the self-checkout to, to kind of handle my business there. So I'm waiting in line. All right. So in this case, you can see that depending on what your circumstances are, you're going to choose whatever's easiest for you at the moment. So that kind of introduces the concept of choice, which also goes into an experience being easy for somebody. Um, so maybe sometimes it's easier to do the self-checkout. Maybe sometimes it's easier to wait for a cashier. And I'll throw in another wild card, which is my favorite way to grocery shop is to order my groceries ahead of time and pull up, park my car, put my gate up, and they stick them right in my car for me. Can, the we, idea, can yeah. we stop on that for a second? Sure. Uh, that the kind of pull up your car and get your groceries loaded in is kind of a, a new thing, right? Relatively in the past yeah. few years. Yeah. I, I think that was kind of an innovation that was spurred from necessity of people felt it really complex to have to go into a grocery store where they maybe didn't feel safe. They had to interact with other people. And it was a time when we really wanted to be alone and isolated. That was kind of the easiest thing to do. So now this new method of grocery shopping kind of stuck around because it's, it's still easier. You don't have to get out of your car. Yeah. Good point. I also, you know, am a big Instacart shopper so just having them deliver it straight to my door too which i happily pay extra money for because Even easier saves time right it's super easy you you uh shop on your app someone picks it up for you they bring it right to your door so another option right um but i guess the idea is that depending on your circumstances easy might be different um so at the end of the day you're able to, the customer is able to discover, learn, access, and resolve issues in a way that they choose, which is super important. Um, so what are some simple questions we can ask ourselves to determine if an experience was easy? We can say, was this simple for the customer? Was the customer able to complete the experience by themselves? And was the customer able to choose the best way to their end goal based on their current circumstances? So I just have one question for you guys when it comes to easy. Was this easy enough for you to understand? Crystal clear, Mandy. All right, so we got a segment now called Fast Facts. Phil, you want his with that vocal intro? Fast Facts. Love it. So we got some fast facts. Why would a customer 
care about things being easy and why should we care that we make our experiences easy? Um, you know, in the growing complexity of life in the recent years, research from Siegel and Gale shows that people are more willing than ever to pay a premium for simpler experiences. So uh, in their research, they found that 55% of people 18 to 34 years old said life became more complicated with the pandemic. This was the, the highest percentage of any of the age groups they surveyed. Um, and uh, there, there's a theory called the simplicity theory that basically says uh, that thinking is hard work and we inherently have a bias towards simple experiences that allow us to not think. So the time is ripe for organizations to lean into the simplicity of their customer experiences to woo the market because people are willing to pay for it. Um, you know, it's no surprise that Amazon is ranked the number one simplest brand in the U.S. You know, they do whatever they have to, to make sure you never have to leave your house. Thanks, Phil. I've pulled three from actually that same report um, that stood out to me. Uh, and first of all, simplicity drives love. They said that 76% of people are more likely to recommend a brand that delivers a simple or easy experience compared to just 64% in 2018. Uh, they also said that simplicity drives growth. Since 2009, a stock portfolio made up of the simplest publicly traded brands, as defined by them, has outperformed the market by 686%. So you can see that simplicity or, or easy in terms of customer value um, drives value not only for the customer, but also for the business. Uh, and then the third one that jumped out at me was that they said simplicity drives sales. 55% of consumers are willing to pay more for an uncomplicated experience. This really resonates with me, and I don't know if it's the, the coffee kicking in here, but what I'm about to say to my boss is, uh, you know, maybe a little iffy, but work smarter, not harder. That's, mm. where, that's where my brain goes with these fast facts, right? We're going to pay a premium or find a solution that's going to make us, make it easier to do certain things. Yeah, I know I will happily pay more money if I know there's an easier return policy or an easier way for it to get to me. And I have one more. Uh, brands that help consumers simplify their buying journey are 86% more likely to retain loyal customers and 115% more likely to be recommended to others, the study found. Uh, that was CMS Wire. The simplicity effect has only heightened in the years since. Well, with all of that being said, it's easy to understand why the customer effort score or CES, which is kind of confusing to me because it's customer effort score instead of like customer easy score. Same thing though, it can be flip-flopped. Um, is the key measurement, right, of the customer experience. So it measures the ease in which the customer, and that goes back to your last fast fact, can use fast your product. Facts. Fast facts. <laughs> or service, resolve, uh, a support issue or find information that they need. Um, so a lot of companies these days are using digital solutions to um, make an easier experience, right? We talked about Instacart, right? Something that I personally love to use, digital, digital experience that makes uh, grocery shopping way more easy for me. Um, so one recent digital solution I experienced, which really surprised me, um, was my recent experience with the Michigan Secretary of State. So. Notoriously easy. Exactly. So that's what I was expecting going into, you know, this experience. So I had um, lost my driver's license and couldn't find it anywhere. 
And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go online. I'm just going to Google, like, how do I get a new driver's license in Michigan? And their, you know, online portal came up, right? I just had to type in a, a, some information, which luckily I had, right? My driver's license number, my address. I had to pay online. But it was like three steps. And then maybe a week later, I got my driver's license in the mail. And I was just really surprised by how easy they made it because they do have such a bad reputation, right, of not being easy to deal with. Um, so I think that that's a really great example of a digital solution that's working for the better. And I think anybody else who would go through that experience with Michigan SOS instead of going in and doing something online um, would have the same experience. They'd be equally as happy with what happened. So here I am now, a converted fan of the Michigan Secretary of State. And a licensed driver. And a licensed driver, which is important. You should be on a commercial for them. Shouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of commercials, uh, we've been inundated with requests uh, for sponsors. Um, They just have been throwing their commercials at us, begging to be featured. Um, And unfortunately, there's only so much time in an episode. So we've had to only go with one. Um, Sorry to all the big brands out there. Um, but we, we chose this one um, because they're just really known for being uh, an easy experience. Um, so we'd like to play that now. We here at Stuck With You Cable are always putting the customer first when it comes to home and business internet solutions. We stick around through thick and thin to make your experience as easy as one, two, three. We offer 42 home and business internet packages, allowing you to find the exact internet speeds for your specific needs. We go above and beyond the competition as our service technicians will not only install your new line, but will also stay at your home or business for one week's time to ensure that your service is exactly what you thought you wanted. So get those guest rooms ready. Our customer service is second to none. Our website follows the adage of all style and no substance, giving you the perfect amount of flair and none of the information you need. Speaking of, our call-in service is state-of-the-art. When you call us, you are greeted with 15 layers of interactive voice responses that will fill to you to one of 12 call center representatives that will gladly place you on hold so you can enjoy our killer music. Don't delay. Call us today and get set up with Stuck With You Cable at 1-800-8675-309, extension 314-1592-6535-897932384. So, Mandy and Phil, uh, what age did you first start drinking coffee? Uh, let's see. <laughs> My dad was always and still is probably addicted to coffee. He's drinking it morning through night before he goes to bed. Uh, I think it's the, the Italian. Um, and so I've always been around it. There's always been coffee stains everywhere in our house and in his car. I've always smelled it. But I, I don't think I ever really tried it until college. Um, and I dove right in, man. I, so um, my favorite childhood store was called Gein's. They had one of those little like cappuccino machines. You know what I'm talking about? Like one that makes the most sugary, disgusting now at this point, like cup of cappuccino, like French vanilla, <laughs> basically not really coffee. Um, but I would say I started drinking that in high school and then, you know, refined my tastes a little further as I got older. So... Uh 
I decided early on, because I like to punish myself, um, that I would not succumb to coffee addiction until uh, I was a dad. And so uh, I decided I wasn't going to touch the stuff. And I think for legal purposes, we can't say names, even though I think we've dropped about 10 brands so far in the show. Uh, <laughs> but there was, you know, kind of the traditional coffee that I tried before. Sounds like Holger's uh, that would exist in your <laughs> freezer. Uh, and it tasted horrible and I wasn't really into it. And I thought when I, when I need it someday, you know, probably when I'm a dad, then I'll, I'll give in. Um, anyways, one day I, I needed to focus and get some work done. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to a cafe despite not drinking coffee. And uh, there was a new one that had opened up nearby. And I went there and I was greeted immediately by a friendly gentleman behind the counter. And I faced not just a coffee opportunity, but a number of options to choose from. And like wine, I noticed fancy tasting notes and some different uh, countries and regions that these coffees came from. And the guy behind the counter kind of guided me through what I could expect from each cup. Uh, and there was one that tasted especially like blueberry, and he recommended that one. And I tried it because the curiosity got the best of me. And it, to my absolute bewilderment, uh, this coffee did indeed taste like blueberries. Yeah. And uh, very distinctly so. It was, it was quite alarming almost. Uh, it did not taste like the frozen stuff I was used to. Uh, <clears throat> I was still determined not to become hooked on coffee, though. Uh, but I found myself week to week thinking about that cup and wondering what new coffee selection might be there. So I started to go on Saturdays with my wife and it was sort of our treat day where I would, I would go try some new coffee experience. Um, the problem was of course, around Wednesday in the week, I started to realize, you know, I could probably use a little pick me up. And so I started to give in on the Wednesdays. And the next thing I knew we were brewing this stuff at home manually with our own grinder and uh, the rest is, is history. Um, but the the person who actually was behind the counter at the time who really got me hooked, and it's all his fault, is here with us today. Uh, his name is Kyle Bondi, and he is one of the owners of Anchor Coffee House. Yeah, thanks for having me. I thought it was really, uh, it would be really funny if you finished that story, but then it wasn't me that was behind the counter <laughs> that day. <laughs> it was Brian or somebody else. That's what I was expecting, the joke. But no, no, it really yeah. was you. I, I never told you that before. But no, you but you know what's crazy? He reasons. changed his life yeah, without yeah, even and I mean, knowing. Now we're, we're friends and, and stuff, and it's funny because I actually remember that exact coffee. And I like Matt has never told me this, and I remember it was from a, a company out of Toronto that I can't name. Um, but as a roaster that we frequently used when we first started, um, and it was from a region uh, called Sadamo Ardi. And this specific region, it's very true, the coffees that come out of there have these like really rich kind of berry tones. And the kind of theory behind that is the cultivars in the soil give off certain flavors and it has to do with things that are grown in that region. That coffee, to this day, was probably the most um, accurate flavor description. You know, you see something that'll say, you know, berries, this, that, blah, blah, blah. Um, what's your favorite part about running your business today? You know what? I would say the relationships we've been able to cultivate, um, not only our customers, but I think to us, the relationships we've been able to kind of cultivate and, and nurture with our staff. Um, some of our best friends on the planet are our staff. Um, we have some amazing people that have surrounded us and helped us um, turn into the company we are today. And to me, that makes me more proud than any review saying, you know, best coffee I ever had, best scone I ever had, um, because I think those things are learnt um, skills that anybody can do. But 
you can have the best thing on the plate, but if the conversation and um, customer service is not up to par, I don't know. I don't want to be in a cafe where I'm, you know, treated like another number, you know, step aside. Yeah. Um, have you read a book by Danny Meyer or Meyer called Setting the, Setting table. the table? Yep. yep. So yep. he talks about enlightened hospitality, yeah. right? And how treating your staff right and building exactly. that relationship trickles down yeah. to the customer. Yeah. How have you seen what you've done to build those relationships trickle down to your customers? First of all, I like you, you know what you're talking about because that's literally like one of my favorite books. <laughs> great book. Right. Um, there's a Richard Branson quote where he was talking, somebody was interviewing him asking him, um, you know, how he had become so successful. Um, and his whole mentality, um, he said a couple things. One of the things was talking about, you know, not being the smartest person in the room. I think that's important. But the thing that's more um, in line with what you're talking about for me is he said, our policy has never been the customer comes first, take care of your employees, they'll worry about the customers. And so I thought like, that's really a quite simple, um, that's a simple thing to live by, but I think a lot of businesses, even when they say that, don't do that. You know, if you just think about, if your job day to day is just to find ways to make everyone around you's day easier in some way, if everybody's thinking like that, things are easy. And it's not a matter of like, forget about the customers. No, 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 they're very important but you can't worry about them if you're not taking care of the person that's right beside you, right? So Kyle, one of the reasons that we're having you and, and each episode we're gonna have a guest on um, is it, part of it is, is sort of a design methodology that we use called analogous inspiration. Mm. Um, and it's sort of where you step into the shoes of something that is vastly different from your mm -hmm. environment to go just watch and observe you know, what that's like. Um, obviously through the power of audio, we can't take you uh, the listener into Kyle's cafe. Uh, not that that would necessarily be very interesting because you'd hear a lot of coffee grinding in the background. Yeah, it'd be very bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but part of the reason we want to have you in was, was to learn, you know, because we're in such a giant corporation that's global, you know, what, what things look like, like our customer value of easy mm. in your world. Um, and so, you know, this, the theme of this episode is that first value, which is easy. Um, what does easy mean to you? And how do you make something complex like high-end coffee, yeah. um, unique food options, sort of an approachable, easy experience for a novice or an enthusiast? Right. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think it's something that people in our industry um, need to ask themselves uh, more often. My definition of easy for us as a cafe is things need to be easily repeatable, um, so consistent, you know. That needs to be, uh, number one, the layout of a restaurant needs to be easy. So people need to know when they walk in where to go, where to order, where to wait for their food, you know, where the washrooms are. You need to eliminate these small conversations that don't need to be had. If 100 people every day are asking for the Wi-Fi password, put a plaque up with the Wi-Fi password because you're saving your people time and it makes it easier for your customer. A good example of something like that, going back to the coffee, um, uh, we opened our Walkerville location and uh, it was quite busy right off the hop, almost overwhelming right off the bat. It was so busy, we couldn't keep up. Like, we, none of us were taking breaks some days, like all of our staff were, but myself and my wife, Rachel, and our business partner, Ryan, we were literally just working night and day to try and keep things going. And so we realized, like, this is really stupid. Why are we only doing pour-over coffee when it's taking really long? And we have literally a lineup out the door half the time. And so we decided, okay, uh, we'll look into some other automated brewing systems. 
And uh, we thought, you know, as long as the coffee isn't a considerable amount worse, you know, as long as it's still decent, we should be able to serve this. Much to our surprise, when we did a blind tasting with all of our staff, everybody, including myself, picked the coffee that was made from the machine to be better. No way. And so we thought maybe this is a fluke, but it really isn't. Um, it, it's If you think about it, it's more consistent because a machine like we have, you can program how much water, how many pulses. It has kind of like a shower head looking thing that goes over top of the craft, and you can brew a gallon of great coffee in about six to seven minutes versus before, if you're doing pour overs, that would have taken you 25, 30 minutes. But what this has done is allowed us to make things much quicker, but also much more consistent. Because if you're making pour overs, if somebody is, you know, doing the pour over and then they turn around to do something else and they forget about it and they come back, if that coffee drops to a certain temperature, it'll like halt the brew, which means basically stops extracting the oils and sugars of that coffee. And then it'll get all weird and sour tasting. So we're like, why the heck do we do this? You know, so you look at it, it's an example of something that we were doing it in a more difficult way because we felt this was the way you do it. Yeah. You know? I think that's going to resonate with our listeners, um, you know, service teams in IT, because it's not just about making it simpler for the end, the end user, right? The customer, but it's also how can we make our processes mm. simpler, right? right? Um, so that our team isn't as stressed out exactly. or taking in, exactly. you know, all of these requests for help and support. Right. So I think that that, that really kind of clicked for me when you were talking about. Yeah. And if you that. walk into a cafe and everybody behind the counter looks stressed out, you can be like, Hey man, have a good day. But it's like, it doesn't mean the same as when you <laughs> have time to connect right. with that customer and actually talk. And you can talk to Matt. There's times when he's come in and I can only, I only have time to wave to him. I don't have time to go over there and sit down, you know, with him. But it's one of those things that if you can make opportunities to make the people that work with you, their job easier, well, then that is reflected into the overall customer experience. So it kind of goes back to multiple things we're talking about, right? It's not only easy, but it's also serving the customer better yeah, by sure. taking care of your people and speeding up the process. Yeah, and I like how you did the blind taste test to, to mm. verify. Right. You know, we... Oh, kind of like an experiment. Right, like an experiment. Right. I mean, yeah. you could have said, oh, uh, it'll be... It'll be easier for us to brew this way and people won't have to wait as long, so let's do it. But you made sure that you didn't sacrifice right. quality because especially with something someone's going to enjoy, like coffee, you don't just want to say, oh, I gave it to you instantly. That's great, right? They want to enjoy the coffee. Right. So I like that you kind of validated yourself with that. Yeah, and that's it. You, you know, you, you could have the fastest coffee, but if it you know tastes like cigarette butts, then... You know, uh, to me, I, I can't serve that. Even if it is much quicker, that's not making anybody's job easier because those customers that are coming in are going to stop coming in. And those people that you're trying to take care of are not going to have jobs if you're, you know, serving a garbage product. So it's got to meet both, you know, yeah, that's right. in the middle. Did you have to do any sort of education for the customer to, to show them that these machines are okay? Or was it really just, hey, I hope they trust us once because then they'll see how good it is? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say um, there was a little bit of education because some people would like order a coffee and they were used to coming in and just getting the pour over. So uh, for a period of time, we were doing both. We've now switched over. We only use the machine because it is so much more uh, efficient. We definitely believe in education. Um, we teach multiple coffee classes at the cafe in the evenings. Um, so we try to be as transparent as possible. Some people don't like it. You know, there's some people we have had some pushback. Oh, no, I only like pour over. And that's completely fine. That's completely fine. 
it's just for us, it's just not what we do anymore. So when I've gone to your, your cafe, Kyle, uh, there's not only choice for coffee, um, but there's also, and we should call out uh, Kyle's wife, Rachel, uh, is the absolute powerhouse uh, mm-hmm. in the the bakery side of the business. Um, when you when you walk in, Mandy and Phil to the, the cafe, there's this display in front of you of immense goods, uh, <laughs> like the ones he brought for us. Like today. some ones in the <laughs> mystery box over there too, here. right? Uh, yeah, and, and and the the choice not only is there a choice, but it's difficult to choose because you really want pretty much one of each. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not the one with coconut, but that's just my preference. You don't like coconut? Uh, no. I've oh, never told you that, but yeah. Oh, man, I'm learning so Deal breaker. Much <laughs> <laughs> um, so for us, when we say easy, right, and when we talk about our, our customer values, um, there's a bunch of sort of like subcategories, right, of what we mean when we say those things. And for us, easy um, encapsulates um, multiple things, but but two of which are, are the options to choose self-service. And also just to provide choice, right? Mm-hmm. To give that empowerment to the customer to, to make the choice. How does that sort of play out in your coffee shop? What does is, what is self-service or choice look like in your yeah. world? Yeah, thinking about that, the first thing that comes to mind is our coffee selection. Um, we, we try to carry a variety. So, to, so anybody that has never been to our cafe, the way we operate is as a multi-roaster shop, which would be similar to uh, you know, a lot of um, craft beer places that are rotating taps all the time. Our whole concept has been uh, multiple roasters featured um, all the time. We usually have three to four different roasters each week. Um, it does make our job much harder because we are tasting coffees from all over the world you know, quite often to bring in the best roasters that we can. Having a proper selection of coffees from different parts of the world that also uh, tap into certain flavor profiles that people tend to gravitate towards. After doing this for a decade now, we've kind of realized um, there's two kind of main categories that most people find themselves in when they like coffee, Uh, either the more traditional um, coffees or the more adventurous or exotic coffees. At any given time between the roasters, we've probably got about 20 different coffees on the shelves. I think if I I were walking in and I saw, you know, 20 different options, I might be a little overwhelmed being like an a novice, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I like coffee, but I'd be like, oh, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So how do you make that easy for people? Who- yeah. If you have too many choices, it can be hard for people. You know, I don't need to men- mention where, but, you know, we all know those restaurants that have like, you know, 200 items on the page and you're like, okay, what are you good at? Like, this is <laughs> right. like, you, you everything. know, yeah. good at everything. Yeah. And so um, we um, took a different approach for our coffee that we brew because of that. So we found at least in our experience, the people that were looking at bags of coffee tended to be fine and open um, to explore and try different things and, and uh, have variety. However, on our drink menu, we used to do you know three, four different coffees every day. What we kept having happen, and people would look at our drink menu and just be like, okay, which one's good? I just want a good coffee. That's what they kept saying. you know. And we're like, okay, that's a problem because we're overwhelming the person at the till and they just feel like, I just want a coffee. For sure. So now we only do one coffee a day. However, with the bags, we use that as an opportunity to kind of person-on-person educate the customer and walk them through what's what. And we usually ask them, okay, is it for you? Is it for a person for a gift? Okay, you want, you know, the, whoa, this is coffee? Then that's the section of the more exotic stuff. Because like there are a lot of people that still based like. on circumstances, yeah. right? Like, I was going to say it's like you have personas that you've kind of identified. Um, okay, the person d- that just wants a cup of coffee, they only need one option. I would have thought maybe 
they'd want more options because they can just sample one as yep. opposed to buying a whole bag. But you really and we thought the same. Customer. Yeah, and we were in the same boat. We thought like, oh, if we have like three, four different options every day. That's great because people can get what they want. But then realize that yeah, people don't know what they want. Like they just want coffee. They don't know. And that was literally the same question. It was like almost like probably eighty percent of the time people would get up there and be like, yeah, I'll get a coffee. They'd look at the menu and they'd be like, oh, I don't know which one's good. And so you're having the same conversations that and that, that was, yeah. And it's not bad. You know, that, that is something to be totally honest, even with the bags of coffee, I'm not going to lie. That's something that we've had to work on because there is a very fine line between having good product, like a good variety of products and overwhelming, you know, the majority of the population. So it's like walking that line of like showing them something they might not have had before, but also like, Hey, your grandma's going to love this. So Kyle, a few minutes ago, you, you kind of hinted at empathy a mm. bit. Um, and empathy is a big part of not just the value of easy, right? It, I, I think that spans across. Um, and it's, it's one of our portions of our mission uh, mm -hmm. of who we are is, is being deeply empathetic towards customers. Um, and in the past few years in the world, you know, no one really likes to think back to pandemic days, but, but really that, that changed everything. How did Anchor Coffee House adapt its strategy for customers to make things easy, even in those times. Mm. When all this stuff starts happening really quickly, you realize like you can, you can get into this place where you're so, you're so confident in your decisions because you've been doing it a certain way for a while and it, you figured out what works that you think you know everything. And it was a, a, a hard time, um, but I think also the most valuable time to our business to go through COVID. And the reason being is it forced us back to the chalkboard because all of a sudden everything that worked didn't work. So we were having this conversation uh, when COVID hit and we're having to temporarily close locations, not sure what's going to happen at the time. And our business partner, Ryan, he, uh, he brought up this idea of like, what if we did a market, like a pantry kind of thing. And so we all started kind of brainstorming and talking and the kind of main thought behind it was if you're going through like a, not only a pandemic, but like an economic crisis for a lot of people. A lot of people lost jobs during COVID. A lot of people were laid off. So they don't have disposable income. You're not thinking about going to get a croissant and a fancy latte. Like I, I sure as hell wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be thinking about that. And so we started thinking, but it's like the people always need to buy groceries. And so not in a way to, you know, capitalize on it and try and get as much from people. It's a way of like, we need to survive. And at this point, we're not going to. So uh, we quickly, within like, I honestly think it was like 24 to 48 hours of after we had to close um, some of the locations down temporarily um, due to the COVID outbreak, my wife built a website and loaded like countless, like literally like dozens and dozens and dozens of products into this website. And we just shifted everything. So we went from selling, you know, coffee to selling growlers of cold brew and lemonade and, um, iced tea and different things. Uh, instead of selling a sandwich, we're selling loaves of our fresh bread. We're selling our sauces, our dressings, everything we make from scratch, you know, down to every bread, every bagel, everything's made in house every day. So, you know, if there's a way we can sell a dozen bagels instead of a bagel, we can help people out by getting them groceries. Um, and we can survive. Awesome. So that's what we did. And we decided we we're going to do delivery, but we put a minimum and immediately it just kind of exploded. We just posted something on social media and we literally got hundreds of orders the first day to the point where that same night we had to post something saying we can't take any more orders. Um, we're going to try and get to all these, but thank you. 
unfortunately, there's a lot of great businesses that didn't make it through the pandemic. But I genuinely think that it's testimony to not just us. You know, I want to be clear, this is our team. It's the interactions that our staff have with our customers every day and that we have with our customers every day that showed those people that they're more important to us than the money. So when things got tight, they were willing to sacrifice the money to show that we were important to them as well. And you had to build that trust with your customers, but also you had to have trust in yourself to be able to pivot. Mm. Like you said, you know, you, you thought about, hey, we've overcome hard times before. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's try something new. Yep. And you said, the way you said it was so applicable to, I think, every organization. You said, we, we've been doing the same thing for eight years. Um, it's, it's working. Why, why aren't we, why are things going the way they are? Um, I think a lot of organizations get stuck in that and they're worried uh, or, or they're afraid to, to change things. Mm. And it's like, you can't just look at what you're doing. Yep. You got to look at what else is going on outside and, yep. and be okay with, with changing. So I, I'm sorry that it took such a crazy experience for you and your business to, to, to get there. But man, what a cool story you've turned it into. You know, what strikes me, Kyle, is how, you know, in that context you just gave of, of what Anchor was going through during that time as a customer on that side, right? We're going through the same universal experience that the globe had, mm-hmm. um, but not from a, you know, is Anchor going to survive? Although that was a concern because we mm-hmm. were going to miss some things we really loved. Yeah. Uh, but but really looking for that sense of well-being for ourselves as a mm-hmm. customer, right? Um, even that sense of belonging, right? That community feel you feel when you walk into Anchor, you, yeah. you now cannot enter into, mm-hmm. right? And so you're, you're starving in that moment for just some of those kind of basic um, qualities, basic experiences that you need or that you miss. Um, yeah. And so by you opening up that website, right? It, it wasn't just, oh good, I can get salad dressing, right? It was, oh good, my kid can have that sprinkle cookie he loves. Right, right. Yeah. I can give him that taste, even though I can't give him anything else yeah. right now, I can give him that taste of that cookie he yeah. misses, right? He doesn't understand why he can't go to, to school, but. Yeah, can, yeah, yeah. And so so even though you're trying to survive as a, as a business from an entrepreneurial lens, you know, you were very much affording something in an extremely empathetic way to your customers who were in some ways in great need, mm-hmm. right? And and so it's it's interesting how you can have a service provider grappling with their world mm-hmm. while meeting the customer in their own, yep. right? In parallel, but very different at the same time. Um, last question for you is just, what does customer experience look like for Anchor going forward? You, you have established yourself as, um, <laughs> pun intended, an anchor in the coffee hey, world yo. locally. Uh, <laughs> He's been waiting to say that one. I limit myself to one pun. Um, Is that written on your own? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you really are, right? You're synonymous with a great cup of coffee, coffee mm. with where we're at. Um, you have won recognition and awards for that. Uh, you know, how do you take that to the next level now? What does it look like to meet the customer where they're at going forward? Mm. I can... Um, so to be honest, that question scares me <laughs> in a good way. Um, and I've, I think I've decided I don't have an answer to that. And my answer, uh, nor the reason be because of that, is exactly what we've been talking about. Um, for me, uh, it's learning that things continually change and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Be willing to hold on to things with an open hand. Um, because if your grip's too tight and something great comes along, you can't grab it. I think that was our, our biggest thing is be willing to be uncomfortable and change at any moment because 
although we've gotten to a good groove post COVID, we don't know what's going to happen next year, but going forward for us, that looks like a small tight knit team under one roof, finding ways to, um, accommodate our community, our customers, but not sacrificing any of our core values to do that. And it's very hard to do that if you're growing rapidly. Um, and we were, and we started coming up against multiple things, not just the quality of the product, but multiple areas in our business that we were going to have to start cutting corners and in, in order to keep growing at that pace. And we were just not okay with doing that. I feel like that's a story you see a lot. It know? is like start to love a restaurant, right? And you're like, this is so great. And then they open more and more locations mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, they changed this and they changed that. And now it's another chain restaurant, right? That yep. us millennials are known for bringing down. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very <laughs> chain true though. restaurant. It's we want true. that unique experience, right? Where we feel welcomed and appreciated and mm -hmm. valued. Well, Kyle, we could unpack um, <laughs> cafe philosophy and customer <laughs> experience. And I mean, honestly, I could go deep into coffee itself. Uh, it's been very interesting hearing, um, you know, how Anchor handles some of this stuff. Um, and, and I myself will probably be chewing for a while now on what does that mean in our world? Um, and, and what would that look like if we could switch on that mentality here? Mm. Um, so really appreciate you coming and, and joining us today. Um, thank you for uh, the goodies as well. Um, but no, really, really appreciate you you coming in and, and sharing. That's the only reason we invited him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, reason enough, yeah, right? <laughs> no, honestly, thank you guys. I appreciate all of you for having me. And uh, yeah, hopefully we get to uh, entertain you on our side of the pond soon. We'll be I'll visiting, be yeah. Awesome, thanks Talk so to me into it. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. Yeah, have a good day. Well, that was really great having Kyle uh, with us today to share uh, what happens in Anchor. And it's been an educational whirlwind tour of an episode for myself. Uh, I thought it might be for all of us. Why don't we just go around and say uh, one takeaway that we've got from this episode? Sure, uh, I'll go first. Um, one thing that he talked about that I thought was really transferable was that um, it's easy for organizations to get comfortable when things just work for so long. Um, and, and it's important to reevaluate regularly as things change, but it might not be as noticeable and big of a change as a global pandemic. You need to continue to listen to your customers and understand what they're going through so that you can continue to iterate and make small changes so that you're always delivering a great experience. Empathy. Empathy. is key there. Key. How about you, Mandy? Yeah, so I'm not going to lie. I was a little skeptical um, about the analogous inspiration of a coffee shop and um, coincidentally, a coffee-themed podcast. Nice, Matt. Um, but I couldn't believe, as Kyle was talking, right, how much I could relate to what he was saying, right, um, from, like, a, a technology perspective. And I think, you know, for some people, it might be hard to kind of relate those experiences. So... One thing that I really took away from this is think, not only thinking of ways to make it easier for your customer, but also you have to think about ways to make it easier on our internal teams, right? So it can have a huge impact on you know the way somebody feels about their job, but it can also create a domino effect um, you know, by giving us 
you know, we spend less time uh, giving customer support, right? And then we'll have more time to think about ways to make it easier for our customer to use our service. So uh, to me, that was just, you know, I couldn't believe how, um, how related the two things really are, even though they're so far apart in, in the spectrum of businesses and companies. If I had to take one thing away, I, I think it would be that, you know, when there's a teachable moment, um, whether that's for your customer or for your employee providing that product and service, um, empowering those around you so that their experience can be easy again in the future is really important, right? And that, that consistency and the quality embedded with passion that he was talking about um, was a really cool combination, I think, um, that allows you to replicate something that builds trust, and replicate something that is easy for the customer. Yeah, I completely agree. I like how he you know, empowers his people to go in and teach someone when they're at the wall of coffee, overwhelmed, teach them so next time they know what they're doing a little more. I thought that was really cool. Um, well, we hope you all enjoyed our first episode and that you found something to take away when it comes to making experiences easy for your customers. In our next episode, we are going to dive into our second customer experience value, personalized. Of course, we'll be tasting another unique cup of coffee. Until next time, remember the old quote, you can have any Tech CX podcast you want as long as it's black and blue. <laughs>